From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help CMOs in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. I'm so excited today uh, to be able to have a conversation about how technology is changing the way we do business and our lives with the famous George Colony, founder and CEO of Forrester Research, one of the most successful technology and market research firms in the world. Under George's leadership, Forrester operates with the vision that technology changes everything, business, society, government, and consumers. Over the past 25 years, George has become a trusted advisor to executives of leading global companies with his forward thinking and pragmatic analysis of the impact technology has on business. Throughout his career, George has made groundbreaking technology calls, including the birth of client-server computing, the dot-com implosion, the rise of social computing, and the burgeoning opportunities enabled by the extended Internet. Every year for the past five years, he has participated in the World Economic Forum in Davos, where he has spoken on panels covering key business and technology issues. Some of these issues have been the demise of the Internet bubble, the future of open source, and the evolution of global innovation networks. George has addressed several other national and international audiences, including the ICT World Forum at CBIT, the most prestigious IT and communications event in Europe. In 2006, George received the National Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award in the services category, and best of all, he's a good guy. Welcome to Market Edge, George. Great to be here, Larry. Thanks for having me. Hey, first question. I mean, all our all our you know listeners have obviously heard or and dealt with Forrester Research, but give us at least a little capsule of you know where Forrester is today in the kinds of really things there you're looking at, especially if it's changed in the last few years. Yeah, we we made a strategy change uh, actually starting last year in 2007, Larry. Uh, but before that, Forrester was essentially guessing on what technologies would be helpful or understand what technologies our clients would have to understand to to get ahead. And we, I, I remember I went to a I asked a CIO, what do, you think, what do you think of our website? He said, uh, I like you guys, but I, I hate your website. He said, I go to your website. I go to your website, and you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to run the technology of Federal Express here, and I go to your website, and it's like the new iPod, and there's healthcare in France. I don't care about this crap. Um, and so what we did is we, uh, a couple of years ago, we decided we are going to go role-based. So we are now focused on eight roles in IT. Now, when I say roles, I mean job titles, like CIO and head of applications development. So eight roles in IT five roles in marketing and strategy, um, including customer experience, and then four roles for the technology industry players like IBM and Microsoft and those guys, actually four executive roles in, in those entities. And so today we are role-based, which means that we, uh, we go out, understand those executives and their roles, understand their problems, challenges, aspirations, and that's what we create our research uh, around. So we're, tr- we're making the company less of an inside-out company to more of an outside-in company, focused on those roles, and it's, it's actually going great. 
And is it, is it uh, still very international in its focus? I mean, I know you had been expanding quite a bit. Yeah, we, um, we are uh, about 30% outside of the U.S. The fastest-growing region for forestry in the last uh, four years has been India. And um, so we are, uh, but, but the company is generally uh, growing at fast rates. We grew last year at 17%. Um, there's really one other player in a business, uh, a small player called Gartner Group, um, so it's it's really Gartner Group and Forrester, and what happened in our business business was number one Gartner bought number three Meta, and number two Forrester bought number four Giga. So it's really just two players left in our business, and um, uh, so it's uh, business is good, and the technology is not getting easier for large companies to 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 deal with, and uh, we help them do that. As you know, we're focused on very large corporations and how they manage and use technology. Um, as, as far as the role, you know, the roles. Um organization that you've you've set up our audience is primarily marketers and chief marketing officers and um, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you're seeing you know yourself and also forester analysts around this evolving uh, complexities of facing the chief marketing officer at large companies um, yeah I mean Larry for IT roles um, I mean we we have a lot to give there and that's a fast-growing market but I would say that the group of roles that we work with who are most perplexed or, let's say, challenged by technology right now are the marketing strategy roles. Um, it's And I have, I have a little aphorism. I say that because uh, I, I will often have CEOs say to me, ah, not, nothing's changed, much has changed. And, I, and, and so my aphorism is technology is changing your customers, and your customers will change you. Right. That you will be dragged there via your customers, especially – the millennials, uh, the, the the twelve to twenty two year olds, um, you know, we we've done a lot of research. Uh, as you know, we do. Uh, we have data on consumers uh, all over the world. Uh, consumers in China and Japan, etc. We have um, actually the, the second longest running survey in the United States, uh, next to the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, so we know a lot about consumers and technology. And what's blowing my mind, Larry, and I looked at the data recently, is the differences between the X generation. Those are the 25s to 35s, and the Y generation, age 15 to 25. The, the separation between those those two is extraordinary. Right. In in how the 15 to 25 years are, 25 year olds are using technology, how immersed they are in technology, how it is part of their everyday life, and so you can see this radical change coming in the consumer base, and that is going to change how companies uh, work with technology themselves. You know, I still I still go into companies, George, and. You know, they, they, you know, say to me, you know, Larry, we get what's happening in social media and where the customer's going, but we feel more comfortable doing our, you know, $100 million television buy, you know, even though a third of it's TVOed or DVR'd. I mean, when are, when are these big companies going to change? I mean, um, you know, a lot of them are still holding on to, uh, to, to the broadcast era. I think I think they'll be punished for that, and I think they will change. Um, they they will change because uh, they will begin to lose market share. They will begin to use, lose uh, brand traction, um, and uh, they're going to be uh, they're, they're just gonna be, they will be pulled there again by their by their market base. What, what's kind of what's kind of cool, Larry, is that I recently calculated this that we we are, we now have CEOs of Fortune 1000 companies who grew up with an Apple II. And right. this is, they're about 45 years old. This is the first generation of CEOs who actually grew up with a computer. 
And so uh, I think what's also going to happen is you see a change in the genera- generationally of the, of the leadership. You're, you will then begin to see some of this muscle memory begin to fade, and companies actually begin to come, they'll come to grips now with these changes. I mean, social is a huge deal. And um, when I say social, I talk about, I'm really speaking about social computing, um, you know, building communities online and collaborating online, and how, by the way, the way, the for, the way Forrester defines social computing is uh, consumers using technology to take power from, from traditional institutions, be they large companies or be they government, that consumers can now solve their own problems together without the help of an institution. Now, institutions are part of the, of the picture because they've got to, they can moderate, they can uh, offer new products, they can offer um, venues for collaboration. Um, as an example, GM now has a, a, I think it's a very good blog, um, where they have uh, about, about 100,000 consumers coming in. And what, what's kind of cool here is that the consumers are actually helping GM develop the next cars. Right. And that's a phenomenon that I call, and I've made this term up, but I think it's kind of a cool term, it's, I call it social sigma. You know, we all know what Six Sigma is. Six Sigma is, uh, is, the, is the process of, of gradually improving your products through process change. Um, social Sigma says, let's go out using social technologies and let consumers actually help us improve our products. Yeah. So that's using social as a way to get products which are, uh, which are, de- which are develop, developed faster, delivered faster, and more relevant to the marketplace. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because the... Uh, the smarter comp- large companies uh, starting to understand this this uh, movement of social computing. When we go in, it's not just a communications platform anymore. It, they're bringing in everybody that touches the customer. So it yep. could be, you know, R and D, product development, and you know, they're understanding that this isn't just an isolated marketing effort uh, around social media. That it's really the closest thing to the physical life of business that they that they have. Well, if you have a 20-year-old who has lived and breathed Facebook for the last three years, that's how they're going to relate to products. That's how they're going to relate to the consumers of those products. I mean, it, 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 they don't, they're not reading magazines. They're not reading newspapers. I, I recently took one of my sons uh, on a college tour. And every college I went to, there were stacks of New York Times and Wall Street journals being given away free. And guess what? Nobody was taking them. Yeah. Nobody is reading those, the, the newspaper anymore. So it's uh, again, the, the consumer is being changed by technology, and the consumer will then change these companies. I, if, if, you, if you look at so, one, one last point here, Larry. If you look at social, yeah. think of the power. Th- think of social versus Google. Okay, now I'm going to Maui next week, right? I can I can go to Google and put in, you know, what are the best hotels and things to do in Maui? What will come out is about four hundred thousand answers, which I can't go through. Right. Versus a social. Now I go to my Facebook site where I have 150 of my trusted friends and trusted uh, associates, and I say, "Has anyone been to Maui? What are your recommendations?" What I now get back, we call this social search, is much higher trusted advice, right. and it's very different than what you get from Google. And that's well, that's actually right there. That's the that's the that's the threat that Facebook poses uh, poses to Google. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, my 80 year old father the other day, 
uh, just looks up from dinner that we were at and goes, Google sucks. I go, Dad, why, what are you saying that? <laughs> you know, what are you saying that for? And he said, well, first of all, I just realized that everything on the right side is, is a paid-for post. And I said, well, yeah, that's how they make their money. And second, uh-huh. I got 10 million results when I asked about the side effects of this drug. There you go. If he and he will, maybe he already does. He may have a Facebook site already. But if he had two hundred people uh, that he could go to, he trusted. They give the right answers on that. On that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a this is a tangent. But there was a great article in the traditional New York Times uh, two Sundays ago with a a little Cambridge company called Patients Like Me, and Mm -hmm. it has a, a site where patients of a specific disease can share. Everything they're going through, from side effects to uh, you know to psychological issues to even what their partners are thinking uh, on a daily basis. So, I mean, the, the whole we're I get we're in inning one of social, but I think there's going to be huge impact to come. Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, not understood well. How many CEOs are blogging? Not enough. I th- yeah. my feeling is that if, is that every CEO should be blogging. Why? Because everyone joining that company wants to understand what understand that CEO. What is in his or her head? Yep. So uh, and 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 I think every CEO in America and in Europe and in every large company should have a Facebook site. Yeah. So it will come. Well, before our break, maybe we just finish yeah. that. I was going to ask you later about. You know, uh, you know, is Google vulnerable? I mean, you know, only in our society can, and and especially the American economy, do we see a headline last fall: "Is Facebook the Google killer?" I mean, uh, you know, is Google vulnerable in your opinion? And is Facebook going to get its monetization act together and become a truly dominant platform? I well. I, I, I want to talk about Facebook simply as a concept rather than the people involved there. I don't, I don't think that the, I don't think Zuckerberg really figured out that he needed a CEO soon enough. Now, yep. you, now you see this happening, right? You see there's a brain drain going into Google. A lot of people there's actually are this weekend in the New York Times about this. A lot of people now leaving Google and now going over to Facebook. Um, so uh, you, this 50 million. Size community. I mean, this is an ext- this is an ext- extraordinary power. I remember way back in God, this goes. This is going to date me terribly, but um, like '97, I asked Bill Gates, you know, Gee, what is the power of AOL? Why does everyone care about AOL? And you know, at that time, AOL was not that not the Time Warner deal had not happened, et cetera. And he looked at me and said, you know, they have a hundred million people in that community, and that is it gives them extraordinary power. And I think the same can be said for Facebook that. Um, Right. You know, with that fifty million, and by the way, those are tr- they, what they, the, they, what they've got to be careful with is, is not breaking the trust with that group, because as we, as the forcers research shows with this Y generation, the minute the trust is broken, guess what? They will move instantly, in a yep. second, to another network, and there will be widgets to be able to, to, to enable them to be able to take all of their trusted friends and contacts with them to that next network. So I'd say. Um, Facebook is a, a potentially a tremendous challenge to Google, um, but they've got to play the cards right here. And so far, looking at Beacon, Beacon was a disaster. I think that what that, what that showed is the immaturity of the management. But uh, one more, be- one or two more Beacons, and they could be, um, uh, I think Facebook could be in major trouble. But so far, I think a major threat to Google. We're going to take a short commercial break right now. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with our fascinating conversation with George Colony, the founder and CEO of Forrester Research. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. 
How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Can you believe how long it takes to order food here? Uh, here we go. Excuse me. She's not even looking over here. Great service is hard to come by. Whether you're sitting in a bar, restaurant, or creating effective search advertising campaigns. Um, excuse me. I think we need to go somewhere else. It's easy to feel forgotten, especially when your advertising budget is on the line. LookSmart serves up to 400 million queries a day with a side of the best customer service in the online advertising industry. Hi, how are y'all doing today? What can I get you folks to eat? You were right. This place is so much better. LookSmart, premium and performance advertising solutions. Um, hello. Uh, welcome to our website. Website traffic isn't about paying for clicks. Okay, so I guess we're going to wait until everyone shows up and then we'll... Uh, um... It's about having the right content. So while you're searching for more traffic, the folks at InfoSearch Media are creating the content people are searching for. With InfoSearch Media, you can get more traffic for less money than PPC. So the next time you need to speak to your customers... Welcome to our website. They're already searching for you. InfoSearch Media. Get content that really clicks. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. The whoring of Facebook for promotional purposes continues with the WebmasterRadio.fm Facebook fan page. Join our fans by clicking the Facebook logo on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage and keep up to date with all the latest. Become a fan on Facebook. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today talking with George Colony, founder and CEO of Forrester Research, talking about a wide variety of uh, impacts that technology is having on our lives and business. Hey, George, one more thing about um, sort of uh, category business. What's your take on Yahoo and uh, Microsoft? Good, bad, indifferent? uh, And uh, do you think it's too much money and too late? (laughs) Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm going to try and be polite here for a second, Larry. (laughs) Uh, I think Microsoft has been one of the most poorly managed companies um, in the business over the last uh, five to seven years. I don't think they've responded quickly to, to changes in the marketplace. Um, I think it's uh, it's just classical innovators dile- innovators dilemma, where they they are trapped in this business model of selling these shiny discs for two hundred and fifty bucks a piece, 
when, in, in fact, uh, the software world is completely is going through an extraordinary sea change. And uh, so I, I, it feels a little desperate. The, the Yahoo buy feels somewhat desperate to me. Um, it, it, uh, I think the, the price is is, 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 is very high. Um, I, I, I think that if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If they were to, if they don't get them right, then they're, you know, they're, they're showing weakness. If they get them, that could be even worse, Larry, yeah. because you have a, the, these are two cultures which are, are, which are going to be like ships in the night, completely different, one based around software, one based around advertising and content, um, two competing um, efforts in search. The, 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 the culture at Microsoft, I think we're talking about a two- to three-year integration, and you know, think about the world we're living in today, two to three years in this world. I mean, Facebook wasn't, wasn't here three years ago. Think of what, if, if Microsoft is delayed for two to three years, who could pass them, continue to pass them in other markets? So um, my feeling is that a Yahoo-Microsoft um, integration and marriage would be actually better for Google than it would be for Microsoft. It gives Google more time. It gets, lets them go faster. Um, and by the way, I don't want to bore everyone too much with, with Google talk, but I think that Google's ultimate impact of the world is not around advertising but it's around software. They are revolutionizing the way software is built, the way it's deployed, the way it's paid for, free. And I think that's the ultimate threat to Microsoft because if we give Google a little bit of time here with their brains, they're going to figure out very good replacements for, for, for Microsoft Office, and it's going to be free and ad-funded, and that would be disastrous for Microsoft. So yeah. my feeling is Yahoo, Microsoft, good move for Google, bad for, bad for Microsoft. Couldn't agree with you more. In fact, as I was, um, you know, thinking about it a few weeks ago, I was saying, you know, they should have just stuck to their knitting. They, you know, yeah. why not just go buy SAP? But, you know, be, you know, own the business software world at least mm-hmm. for now, and uh, and stop trying to be everything to everybody. And it, actually, I agree with you. I think they're one of the po- most poorly managed major companies, uh, you know, in our careers. You know. Yeah. You know, well. I mean, for uh, let's give a little credit here, Larry. They, they built an extraordinary franchise, and, and yep. they've done many great things over 25 years. But I'm just saying, the last five years, you know, there's nothing worse than being successful. <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it's great, but God, it, you can get trapped by your business model, and it's it, it, they cannot get, they cannot let go of those 25 percent net margins. Yep. Um, they just can't let go of them, and um, the, the fact is, uh, they're going to have to, to to get to the next level. Speaking of anyway. you, well, speaking of you know our category anyway of technology, and we'll get back to marketing in a second. But you know, talk to me about uh, you know I've been pretty impressed with the way IBM's changed its um, and evolved and and is moving. And maybe talk to us a little bit about the big icons, which are doing better, which are not doing better. You know, IBM, Dell, Sun Microsystems, uh, these yeah. kinds of companies. Yeah. yeah um, well, a couple things. What. I'll say something which probably everyone will disagree with, but um, I think the greatest technology visionary of the 90s was Lou Gerstner. Mm. And people look at me sideways and say, what? And, and, and here's why. Because Lou figured out that you couldn't just take boxes and throw them over walls into companies and hope the hell that they figured them out. He <laughs> said, nope. He said, no, we've got to crawl over that wall. We've got to climb over that wall, go into Citibank, and we've got to help them make, de- deploy it and make it all work. That was a revelation. I think 
on a go-forward basis, if you're going to be in the, com- in, in the complex technology business, I'm not talking about Apple here, but in the complex technology business of supplying technology to, to large companies, you're going to have to be in the consulting business. And IBM figured that out. Uh, Gerstner saved IBM with that strategy. Um, and I, th- you know, I got to tell you, I mean, 1993, Larry, I thought they were done. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were going to have to break it up, and they were, they were, they were done at that point. And I, I think one of the greatest stories of the last 15 years has been IBM. Yep. Now, they have their problems, and you know, they have their growth issues, et cetera, but I think the fact that they're still here, still vital, um, that open, their, their drive to open source was, was a terrific idea, and that's been quite successful. So I think IBM, so the big icons, IBM, looking pretty good. I think the, kind of the, the greatest story in our business, though, has been HP. I mean, if you had told me back in, I'll really date myself, the mid-'80s, hey, HP's going to be bigger than IBM, uh, come come in two decades, I would have said you were insane. I mean, the, yeah. the joke in those days was HP can, can HP cannot, you know, if, if HP what's that old stupid joke? If if they were marking sushi, they call it dead fish, <laughs> or you know, raw dead fish, raw dead smelly fish. They couldn't market. You know, they couldn't. In fact, they had only had sixteen bit mini computers back then. But now here they are as the number one company in the business. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sun um, under Jonathan, I think, is making a comeback, which is cool. Um, Oracle, I mean. Hey, Larry Ellison went up against the federal government. Yeah. You know, the federal government, they have tanks and guns and, and armies, and, you know, but he said, no, I'm, I, I, you know, I could buy people soft, and I'm, I'm going I'm to go up against the federal government and, get them and, and, you know, overrule them. He did it. Yeah. Incredible. So that's an SAP. So the big icons are still cooking along here. But I've got to tell you, if you're a large company, you're going to be ch- totally changing your data centers, in, data, data centers in the next 10 years to be virtualized, to be green. Now, this is all good for those companies, but they've got to make sure they get the strategy right. Sure. Hey, if you were, I know you um, have some roundtables of CMOs, and um, you guys, again, are analyzing a lot of, uh, of the way marketing is changing. And, you know, even though I'm in the middle of it, I, I've got to argue that it's probably the one business category that's still in for huge, huge change. Um, what would be your consulting advice to the chief marketing officer of, uh, of a Fortune 50 company right now, George? I would say that I, I'd probably give him three pieces of advice. Number one, um, you get as much data as you can, be it your own focus groups or outside data, but you, you've got to get your finger right on the artery of your customer because uh, I, I call them, I, I, I sort of call them active fruit flies now, these, these consumers. They're changing so fast. They are, they are, they're, they're dropping one product uh, so quickly and picking another one so fast. So the number one is, is intimate, direct understanding of the customer and, and, the, and these, every, these six-month changes they're making. That would probably be number one. Um, number two <clears throat> is I, I would do a, com- a complete review of, of the marketing spend, um, of especially the advertising spend, and a reevaluation of the traditional versus the, versus the emerging, and making sure you match up, number one, where the, your customers, your customers headed with number two, where those dollars are going. I think, by the way, you're going to have a mismatch in most companies. They're spending the dollars in the wrong places, given where their customers are headed. Um, and I, I, I think number three, um, uh, there is, it, it is an, it is an unnatural act. It is a marriage of cats and dogs, but the relationship between the marketing executives and the, the guys who run the technology in their companies. That is an absolutely critical relationship, which has to either be improved or built. Some companies it doesn't even exist, because the fact is, the way you're going to relate to most of your customers in the future is, is going to be through technology. 
you know, be it be it, uh, be it via an iPod or be it, uh, or or via cell phone or via the internet. And the fact is, you're going to need your the techies in your company to help you understand how to do that. I, I have a little aphorism. I say that when you give the when you when you give the customer to the techies, they always uh, when you give the web to the techies, they always screw up the customer. If you give the web to the market guys, they always screw up the technology. Right. So the answer of this is you ha- they have to be allied. They have to be completely connected. The marketing guys, the IT guys, have to collaborate. Again, cats and dogs breeding, but they've got to do it to make sure the customer gets what they need. That would be, my, know, that would be my third piece of advice. Yeah, it's and it's it, you raise a huge issue. I mean, you know, back when we started in this business, you couldn't get two further away uh, groups than the IT department and the marketing department. They were physically not together. They were uh, they wore different clothing, and it's just so critical now that they work together uh, and, and figure out these strategies. Yeah, one one thing is that I, I'm on a crusade to change the term IT information technology to the term. BT or business technology, yeah, and to to move the to move IT to become closely allied with marketing and to understand the products, understand the the business, and not just to be the techies. So, uh, yeah, and I think in fact we have a number of clients who are going to have changed the term IT in their companies to BT, and that's a signal to the CEO. Hey, the techies now understand my business. They're now they're now going to get into the business of the business. I think that that's so smart, and I think that's a good thing, a great thing to do. Um, hey, some just some big uh, as we start to wind down, some yep. uh, some some big George Colony future thoughts. I mean, you know, as the web moves to uh, you know more of a visual platform, a rich media, uh, any place, anywhere access. Uh, you know, mobile becomes even uh, more important to societies and business. Uh, you know, you're, you've been famous over the years to, you know, call a spade a spade and set some direction. Uh, give us some big George Colony thoughts on the next, uh, you know, two, three, four years. Um, two. I have two thoughts for you, Larry. One is the web is dead, which means the software architecture of the web. You know, the web today is a, it's a click-and-pray technology. You click on a link, and what comes at you is a page downloaded. Yep. That that's a dead arc. That's dead. The, the web is a dead technology, and we're going to another technology in the internet that we call executable internet, which says I don't want to get too techy and complex here, but it basically says that there's going to be there's going to be uh, software code on my computer and software code on the server. So now there could be a conversation going on over the web. It's a little bit like Google Earth, right? When you use Google Earth, you're not just uh, you know, clicking and an image is coming down to you. You actually downloaded some software code from Google, which loaded into your computer, and now you can you have brains, and the server has brains. You guys can have a nice high level conversation. So my first thought is, web is dead, and we're going to see a new software architecture for the internet that we call executable internet. And by the way, I think the company leading that is Google. Right. The second thought is that we we believe at Forrester that the one of the next most important uh, technology changes is going to be the connection of the physical world to the digital world, which uh, today there are about 2 billion devices connected to the Internet. We expect there will be about 20 billion within the next five years. Um, that means your watch. That means um, your car. That means uh, the tires on your car, believe it or not. That means the switches and actuators in your building. Um, that means we may actually tag people, put tags inside people, so they, in fact, will have an IP address, and there may be information being fed from a person, their medical information, whatever, back to the Internet real time. So this uh, connection of the physical world to the digital world, we think, is uh, going to be a, a vast change um, where, you know, Coca-Cola will know where every can of Coke is 10 years from now, 
whether it's on one of their trucks or whether it's in a supermarket or whether it's in uh, in your refrigerator. Um, and uh, that's that's going to be an extraordinary change, um, not only in the in the technology required to run that, but also. Um, there are going to be some major cha- challenges around privacy. We've actually found a forester that people will give up privacy if they're safer and if they have better health. And by tagging themselves, they may get both. Yeah. Two, two great points. Uh, we only have about a minute, George, and I always ask this to, uh, last question to my guests. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to have anything to do with technology, forester, or marketing. Is there a cool or, or, or a hip website that you just think is just, uh, the most wonderful thing you've seen the last few months. I, yeah, I, I well, th- this is if you give a lot of presentations, if, you, if yep. you speak a lot publicly, which I do. There's a there's a great site. And I'll probably get the, the 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 name wrong, but it's called Zen Presentations. It actually may be Presentation Zen, but it's a guy in Japan who gives. He looks at like Bill Gates's speeches and Steve Jobs's speeches, and it gives great advice on how to give wonderful talks and what of course what he is is pushing for is simplicity he has a great picture of bill gates standing in you know one of his powerpoint slides at the back of him and it's all this junk on this slide and this you know, <laughs> stuff is flying everywhere then he has a then he has a picture of, of steve jobs and steve jobs is standing there with his his hands folded and behind him is one is a slide and only has one thing on it a question mark <laughs> and it's just it's so it's a wonderful site it's one that i use go to all the time to help me with my presentations and i'd recommend it if you do give presentations that's great. Thanks, George. Yeah. Uh, t- today we were talking with uh, George Colony, wonderful man, leader, founder and CEO of Forrester Research. George Colony, thanks so much for joining us today. Always enjoy talking to you, Larry. Thank you very much. And thanks, everybody in the audience, for listening to today's Market Edge Conversation. Tune in again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time in the U.S. at www.webmasterradio.fm. Bye for now. 